Neanderthal thinking. Welcome to the Texas Take, the number one political podcast in the great state. Hi, I'm Scott Braddock, editor at QuorumReport.com, and that right over there uh, looking at me on Zoom is Jeremy Wallace at the Houston Chronicle and HoustonChronicle.com. Hello, sir. Hello. Ready to go after we a are, really long week, right? It's ha- It has been. Um, it's one of those weeks where you look at everything that happened and it feels like a year. Everyone, yeah. always, it's, the, it's the old joke now. This week was a really long year, but it really was. Um, one crisis on top of another. Um, some man-made and some not. Where do we start here? Well, a big announcement in Lubbock, Texas, which I would note is not in the region served by the Electric Reliability Council of Texas. Probably a good place to go if you want to talk about something other than the winter ice storm that was consuming everything just last week and the week before that, right? Even last week, it was the only thing anybody wanted to talk about after the fallout from the storm the week before, right? So now we're yep. talking about now we're talking about something else. Now what we're talking about is the fact that you don't have to wear the mask anymore in Texas. Now, does that mean that the pandemic is over? No. We're also talking about the fact that businesses, if they want to, it's their choice, they can be completely open. It is now time to open Texas 100%. That's Governor Greg Abbott speaking in Lubbock to the Lubbock Chamber of Commerce. He said Texans have been suffering economically over the last year. Most businesses have been open either 75% or 50%. And during that time, too many Texans have been sidelined from employment opportunities. Too many small business owners have struggled to pay their bills. This must end. So, Jeremy, he's allowing all businesses to be open at 100% capacity. And when I first heard this, I thought maybe he's going to compromise and let them open, but he would keep the mask mandate in place. Well, I was wrong. I am ending the statewide mask mandate. Why now? What's the rationale for doing it at this point in time, other than the fact that it's Texas Independence Day on the day he's making the announcement? Texas is far better positioned now than when I issued my last executive order back in October. And we are in a completely different position than when I issued my first executive order last March. Back then, hardly any Texan knew what PPE was. Now we have... Now we have an abundance of it. Early on, there were no COVID tests. Now we have the ability to do well over 100,000 COVID tests per day. When COVID first ravaged our communities, there were no medicines to treat it. But now we have antibody therapeutic drugs to treat COVID and to keep people out of hospitals. In fact, as, as you all know, I was with the mayor and I was with the chancellor as well as other Lubbock leaders when we formally announced the rolling out of these antibody therapeutic drugs and making them available in large scale process to people in Lubbock as well as people across the entire state of Texas. And we also have multiple medical advancements that help Texans heal and importantly help keep Texans out of hospitals. And last March, 
most Texans had no clue about the precautions needed to avoid COVID. Now, Texans have mastered the daily habits to avoid getting COVID. All right, Jeremy, keep that in mind. A big part of the argument from the governor here is that people know what to do, and so the government doesn't need to tell them what to do. He also said uh, that we have vaccines now that are being administered across the state, and the categories of people eligible for those vaccines are being expanded. And we saw that this week. Uh, Teachers and child care workers were added to the mix uh, as far as people who can go get an appointment. Um, He said that, look, uh, this is something that can be a common sense thing at this point. A A year ago, folks didn't know to do any of this stuff, wear a mask, social distance, and all of that. Again, keep that argument in mind as we go forward here. But what do the numbers actually look like, Jeremy? Are we doing a lot better than we were before? Is there some threshold we've met that would uh, cause the government to take action this way? Yes and no, right? Okay, so the the yes is that uh, our hospitalizations this week are about almost 20% down from last week and about 50% down from where they were a month ago. So Mm. we're definitely trending in the right direction, but we still have about 5,000 people in Texas hospitals, which is uh, pretty much, you know, yeah, higher than we've had since October, or yeah. it's right around the area where we were back last October. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we've made a ton of progress ultimately. Granted, things went haywire, but we're still pretty high in comparison to where we had been for most of last year. Uh, so it's kind of an interesting argument. Like the the uh, hospitalizations are still way above where they need to be, and we have uh, forty four thousand mm-hmm. Texans who have lost their lives. Yeah, uh, about twenty thousand of the or twenty three thousand of those just since November. So yeah, it it's not great news. doesn't seem like there's something that happened with the disease specifically that would cause the government to relax restrictions. So maybe it's something else. In Houston, uh, Mayor Turner, Sylvester Turner, he looked pretty upset about this during a press conference the other day. He said it's pretty clear that the governor is trying to change the subject away from the state's electrical grid problems that were just laid bare a couple of weeks ago. Uh, And if you listen to Turner here, he's speaking through his mask and he wants uh, everybody to continue to wear the mask and mayors and county judges all over the place. were trying to tell people, keep on wearing your mask. Listen to Turner. He's, um, he's critical of Abbott in a way that I don't remember him being as critical as this before. And that was also a shift uh, with the county judge in Harris County who had been very hesitant to criticize the governor, but she also was not happy with this decision. Here's Mayor Turner. Unless the government is trying to deflect from that statewide, system-wide, national embarrassment and system failure, and have us now just focusing our attention on the statewide mass order. Either way, it's failure to lead on both fronts. And it's disappointing, and it's disheartening. I have a feeling that the governor did not uh, consult with Mayor Turner or other local leaders before he made this decision. In just a bit, we'll talk about the fact that he didn't talk with his own top medical experts. This, of course, didn't just get, Jeremy, the attention of folks at city halls and county courthouses around the state. At the White House, they were talking about this. And Joe Biden, president of the United States, said that Texas and Mississippi which were both relaxing these restrictions, um, he said that both states are making big mistakes here in their COVID response. I hope everybody's realized by now these masks make a difference. We are on the cusp of being able to fundamentally 
change the nature of this disease because of the way in which we're able to get vaccines in people's arms. We've been able to move that all the way up to the end of May to have enough for every American, to get every adult American to get a shot. And the last thing, the last thing we need is Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine, take off your mask, forget it. It still matters. He's calling it Neanderthal thinking, uh, knuckle-dragging thinking. And uh, Jeremy, it used to be the case, or has been many times, that if Mississippi was doing something, at least those of us in Texas could say, at least we're not Mississippi. But in this case, we're both doing the same thing. Yeah, unless it's about blues music, we don't really want to be in the conversation about how we well, compare to Mississippi. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, a lot of times uh, there would be a list about, uh, say, public education or yeah. something that's important to people, and we would be, you know, 49th or 48th on whatever list. And, you know, the only states that would be worse than us would be places like Mississippi, Alabama, <laughs> whatever these well, uh, lists are, or, you know, some of the mo- more obese places or any of that yeah. stuff. It's never good to be in the same category with Mississippi. Unless, like you say, you're talking about the blues. Well, and the and the interesting piece about, you know, just this whole reaction this week. Remember, it was literally just a week ago on Friday that I was at NRG Stadium in Houston mm-hmm. where Joe Biden, you know, Greg Abbott, uh, County Judge Lena Hildago, and Mayor Sylvester Turner were all together and kind of praising each other for how right. they were handling things mm-hmm. with you know, the deep freeze and, and even COVID-19 where the the governor was there when, you know, Biden was saying, we're making progress, but this is no time to relax and let mm-hmm. our guard down. We're almost there. Keep doing what you're doing. So the governor was with the president. You know, they were all together. It was like kumbaya moment. Four days later, <laughs> that's all gone, right? Yeah, completely gone. Now, Abbott was asked about the Neanderthal thinking comment on Fox News Channel, where, of course, uh, Fox News Channel is a very receptive audience for Republican statewide officials in Texas. He doesn't really get any pushback here. Listen. The Biden administration was releasing illegal illegal immigrants into our communities who had COVID. The Biden administration was spreading COVID in South Texas yesterday because of their lack of constraint uh, of of testing and and, uh, quarantining. Uh, people who'd come across the border illegally. The Biden administration uh, was exposing Texans to COVID. That is Neanderthal-type approach uh, to dealing uh, with the COVID situation. Wait a minute. The uh, subject has been changed again. I I thought we were talking about masks and relaxing business restrictions for COVID. All of a sudden, the governor's talking about undocumented immigrants, Jeremy, at the border and the idea that they are bringing in COVID to our community. So I was trying to figure out what he's talking about. There was a report in Fox News Channel, um, again, Fox, it's the preferred mode of communication for statewide Republicans here. Um, They had a story that said since the beginning of January, there was this huge number of undocumented people who had tested positive for COVID-19. I'm being a little facetious. You laid out some numbers earlier. How many people have died of COVID-19 in Texas? Over 44,000. Yeah. How many cases have we had in Texas? Oh, boy. Yeah, that's... 2.6 million or something like that? Yeah. Millions is safe, right? Um, The way the governor just talked about that and said that all of these undocumented immigrants are coming in with COVID-19, you would think it would be comparable numbers, right? No. In the Fox News Channel story, since January, 108 people have tested positive for COVID-19 who came into the country. These were uh, asylum seekers. 
And then CNN reported out that Governor Abbott has stalled federal um, efforts to test immigrants when they're coming into Texas. So this seems like grasping for straws. Now, that was Fox News Channel. They didn't push back at all on what he was saying. Uh, On KPRC Channel 2 in Houston, uh, he's being interviewed by Chris Gutierrez here in the interview you're going to hear. And he was again asked about President Biden's comments that what we're doing in Texas is Neanderthal thinking. At a time when Texas is striving every day to provide more and more vaccines, today we set an all-time record in the number of vaccines we're administering to Texans. President Biden's administration itself is exposing Texans and Americans to COVID-19 through illegal immigrants that they are allowing to come into the state of Texas who are positive for COVID-19 and being released into Texas communities. No, no, what Governor, President so, Biden say, is doing sir. is Neanderthal. What, what President Biden is doing, Chris, hold on. What President Biden is doing in Texas today is recklessly endangering the lives of Texans as we are trying to provide them vaccines. He must stop this practice now, exposing more Texans to COVID-19. It is completely unacceptable. Remember last week we talked about the fact that uh, Abbott kind of only has two speeds where he, he kind of talks like this or he talks like this. He found another one. He found another speed there. He's sort of shouting at the news anchor about this idea that undocumented immigrants are the real problem when it comes to the spread of COVID-19 in Texas. As far as I can tell, this is a distraction and has no basis in reality. And and look, if, if new information comes to light, then I'll consider it. But listen to this. The news anchor, uh, Chris Gutierrez, does not really follow up on that. He just kind of notes the fact that Abbott and Biden don't agree about immigration. And listen to Abbott's very angry reaction to that. I completely understand that you two have different opinions when it comes to to uh, immigration, specifically in our state. But, you know, others will this, say that no, this, wait, is, wait, this wait, is a wait, convenient. Chris, no, I'm sorry, Chris. You missed the you missed the point. You missed the point is it's not. This does not involve illegal immigration. He's bringing in people with COVID-19 and releasing them into our communities. That's like Cuomo putting people with COVID-19 into, into nursing homes is is dangerous. What the Biden administration is doing, releasing people with COVID-19 into our community. Wait a minute. He's saying now it's not about illegal immigration. You heard that, right? It's about COVID-19. I I think he did try to make it about immigration, though, which, of course, would be a hot button issue for who? For Republican primary voters. All right. Think about who the audience really is for this message. He made it about illegal immigration. Go back in the very same interview. Here's a part of what you heard earlier. I just want to underscore this, that it wasn't Chris Gutierrez, who made it about immigration, that was Governor Abbott. President Biden's administration itself is exposing Texans and Americans to COVID-19 through illegal immigrants that they are allowing to come into the state of Texas who are positive for COVID-19 and being released into Texas communities. So angry, so loud here, and the reporting out of the governor's office, uh, I've been picking up on this at the Capitol, uh, Jeremy, and I tweeted this out earlier in the week after that interview. It's my understanding Abbott has been very frustrated in his office and has been snapping at his own employees, that he's very angry uh, after the winter storm and the state's response to that did not get you know rave reviews, and people are really angry with him. He's got two crises happening at once now, 
with what happened with the electric grid and what's happening with COVID-19. Um, and he's not responding well. I, I've never heard him speak like that in public. Have you? No. And, 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 and you know, the politics of it, and you kind of brought up about the Republican voters, you know, and look what's going on you know, as this is happening, right? It's like, so, uh, you know, Ron DeSantis is the governor of Florida. Yeah. And Republicans, you know, the Republican base is starting to get to know him more as his star has been rising. And his name is getting bantied about all the time when it, you know, comes to COVID-19. Yeah. It was just in January that the Texas Public Policy Foundation brought Ron DeSantis in to give a speech a mile from the governor's mansion in which Ron DeSantis got to the microphone and said, uh, Florida is open for business. Uh, We have no restrictions or mandates whatsoever in Florida. We trust the individuals. Now, Mm -hmm. he's saying that in Texas. Think now to what you heard Governor Abbott said this week and, you know, having to almost play catch up and a lot of Republican, you know, voices out there, including the you know, party chairman, Alan West, have been needling Abbott on this point that he's following right. DeSantis on this thing. Mm-hmm. And so you can imagine, you know, I think I don't have any inside reporting, but, you know, certainly Abbott's finding himself measured up more and more against DeSantis when it comes to right. anything to do with, you know, mass mandates and mm-hmm. open government and things like that in relation to COVID-19. Yeah. This is something that would be a problem uh, for an incumbent governor in a general election if general elections mattered in Texas. Yeah. Right? Um, In a Republican primary, what Abbott may be trying to do is either keep himself from having a primary challenger. uh, I mean, we're just – we're a year away now from the vote in the primary, right? But the primary start way before that. Um, You've got Alan West, who you mentioned, a former congressman from Florida – You've got Sid Miller, who's a statewide elected official, the agriculture commissioner, who just this weekend had put out uh, an email. uh, This was before the mask mandate was dropped. um, And the uh, effect of that is over the next week, by the way. But uh, I think it was on Sunday. Miller put out uh, a campaign email to his supporters where he basically laid the blame for the uh, storm response at the feet of Governor Abbott, his fellow Republican. So you can start to see the outlines of challenges to Abbott if he wants to run for go- you know for president. He first has to run for governor, right? Yeah. I don't see, and people ask me this all the time, I don't see a path for Abbott to the presidency if he's not still governor. Yeah, of course right? Now, I think he's still no. going to be governor either way. But for one thing, you know this about these guys. They'd rather not run the race if they don't have to. Right? I mean, he he would rather not have a serious challenger for his office or anybody who might get real funding. So a lot of the comments you hear from Abbott this week seem designed to try to stave off a primary challenge. Now, he's also frustrated because it did come to light, and I saw the Dallas Morning News, I think, had the original exclusive on this. And then it also was highlighted in a hearing in the Texas House this week that Abbott, before making this huge public health announcement that you don't have to wear your mask anymore and businesses can be open 100 percent, he didn't talk to his top health experts before he made that decision, which is sort of jaw-dropping to people, right? And, and again, the kind of thing that would be a liability in a general election if general elections mattered in Texas. Yep. How do we know about all this? Well... Uh, State Representative Erin Zweiner, who's a Democrat from Central Texas, she's uh, from Driftwood, Texas, she asked Commissioner John Hellerstedt, the head of the DSHS, the Department of State Health Services, she asked him about whether or not they had talked. I mean, this is the one of the top doctors for the state. 
Is he the top health official for the state, Hellerstedt? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, clearly. And Abbott didn't talk to him. Uh, and, the, and Abbott doesn't deny that either. You'll hear that in just a little bit. Uh, Representative Zweiner, after talking to Hellerstedt, was later on CNN. Yeah, I, I agree with the governor that there was very little enforcement. But where we disagree is that I think he sent a very dangerous message to Texans and is going to create confusion around the state over whether or not masks are still needed. Um, in my conversation with Commissioner Hellerstedt yesterday, he did affirm that Texans still should be wearing masks. Um, at best, we have vaccinated 7% of our population fully. Um, at best, you know, another 40% or so of our state may have previously had COVID. So we still have about 15 million people who we know, at a minimum, have no immunity to COVID-19 right now. The governor would rather not talk about this. He was on KTRK, ABC 13 in Houston, and I think maybe he thought this interview would go better than the one on Channel 2, which I think was the day before. Uh, Abbott was asked about this, about whether he talked with his own health advisors, and he was, in fact, asked if any health advisors were in the conversation when this decision was made to drop the mask mandate. And I would say this interview with Ted Oberg at Channel 13, it's uncomfortable at best. Know this, governor, and governor, that is, what health, Texas what health is, expert, is excelling what health with regard to the told you this was a good idea. Wait, what health expert told you this was a good sure, idea? Uh, sure, let me tell you exactly how this worked, and that is, uh, the, I made this decision uh, working days on days uh, with the following executives. One is Dr. John Zerwas. Dr. Zerwas uh, is the executive vice chancellor for the University of Texas Health Science System, which includes the health, UT Health Science Systems there in Houston, Texas, as well as yeah. elsewhere in the state of Texas. Dr. Zer, Dr. Zerwas was in constant contact with Dr. Hellerstedt, well, uh, the commissioner of the Texas but, Department of uh, Health and, and Safety and, and Governor, in the state. Uh, Governor, as you, well, sure as you well know, Dr. Hellerstedt make, said he, he didn't, trying he didn't to explain, speak with you. Well, I know we're out of, we're out of time per your, per your he, office's rules. He did speak to, doc, he did speak to Dr. Zerwas also, though. Okay. He, he, so Go. Dr. Hellerstedt did have the opportunity to speak with the people that I spoke with okay. when I made my decision. And uh, at Dr. Hellestad's request, I made sure that I included the statement for all Texans to continue to wear a mask. And will you wear yours? I do. And will continue to? Yes. <laughs> a little rough there. And if you listen to the exact wording from the governor, and, and with Governor Abbott, you have to do this. I think this is fair. He's, he's such a brilliant legal mind, and I mean that uh, genuinely. He was, he was a very capable attorney general. He's somebody who's a very smart lawyer. Um, when you're dealing with a very smart lawyer, same thing is, is, with, is true with Ted Cruz. You have to listen to every single word they say, and, and there's definite meaning behind each one. As you listen to that, Jeremy, you could you could tell that what Abbott was trying to avoid saying was, well, I didn't talk to those doctors. He was saying they did talk. They were talking to each other. Yeah. Right. Hellerstedt and Dr. Zerwas were talking to each other. Now, Zerwas is interesting for him to bring up because Zerwas was on the um, the uh, task force to open Texas, which uh, the governor um, put in place months ago. Well, you may have seen the reporting. I think it was from KXAN in Austin that the task force to open Texas disbanded months ago. Yep. And there was no announcement about that. So, of course, now that the task force to open Texas is has you know been done away with, it's a great time to open up Texas. Now, what do you think Beto O'Rourke, the former congressman and candidate for president, thinks about all this? I'm sure he is not behind this. <laughs> yes, you think it's a little critical? He was on MSNBC. Uh, O'Rourke was on uh, Dateline Washington. And he says this whole thing 
is a disaster and people died when they did not need to. Because Governor Abbott failed to the science and the best public health guidance has flip-flopped on closing, reopening, not requiring a mask mandate, requiring one, and now removing it. Absolutely confusing the public. And this botched rollout of the vaccine is perhaps the worst of all. There are 254 counties in Texas. There are now 254 different systems of distribution because the governor left it up to them, showing absolutely no leadership. Still sounds like a guy running for governor to me. Yeah. You? Yeah. I, I, he, it sounds is more, he more like that. Is he gearing up for that? Yeah. Yeah. He, I, I, I totally see, like, like, as we get deeper into this, there's now mm-hmm. more material, you know, mm-hmm. for a Democratic candidate of any sort to take on Abbott. But I think what we're hearing when, as Beto speaks, is not dissuading me from thinking that this guy is pretty close to yeah. wanting to get into this race. Right. I'm, I'm pretty cynical in that same interview. And I'm, I know you're surprised that I'm cynical. Um, in that same interview... O'Rourke talked about the fact that this weekend, as a lot of people are listening to the Texas Take, um, the uh, Beto team is going to be doing some canvassing of the state. And he said in the interview, Beto said that what they're doing is they want to get people signed up and registered to get vaccinations. Can you imagine that those names and phone numbers might be used for anything else, Jeremy? (laughs) Yeah, imagine we're building a campaign list here. Yeah, exactly. And, and obviously, he already has a massive campaign list. But can you when you also call those people and say, remember how we vaccinated you from the mm-hmm. deadly disease that was trying to yeah. kill everybody in Texas? Well, yeah. we would like now to have your support. <laughs> well, yeah, and I'm cynical about it, but that's actually smart organizing. You know, whenever um, various groups, be they Republican or Democrat, whatever yeah. they would do uh, to try to get people registered to vote, get them involved in politics, yep. the way they would really hook folks in is to talk to them about an issue that's important. Right. And so you don't walk up and say, uh, hey, you know, uh, th- this is, uh, uh, you know, Bill from the Beto O'Rourke campaign. And we want to talk to you about why Beto O'Rourke would be a great governor for Texas. No, the first thing you want to talk to them about is what are the issues that are important to you? In this case, it's the issue of getting vaccinated, you know, because of this disease. Or I remember uh, some organizing efforts in Pasadena, Texas, for example, years ago, where what they were trying to do is some Democrats trying to organize in the area. And what they were trying to do at first was talk to people who were lower to middle income about the bus routes in the city, you know, that the bus routes weren't helping people get to where they needed to go. Uh, And so they wanted to work on that at Pasadena City Hall. And then, you know, after gathering names and you know figuring out who the people are that would be interested in, in getting involved in these issues, then they circle back to them and they start talking to them about you know, who's running for city council, talk to them about who's running for, you know, the state house, talk to them about who's running for Congress in the area, and those sorts of things. You have to meet people where they are. That's an old saying in politics. Uh, You have to be, and I would add this, you have to be um, eye level. It has to be eye level issues. Don't make people look around for something else. When, like you said, there's plenty of material right now. There are things that are right in front of people's faces that they're worried about, and you need to be talking to them about those things. Yeah, and if you have some con- something concrete to show them, you know, this reminds me of like you know the old days when if you're going to run for mayor or something like that, or if you you are in in you know, local office, you go where you patch the potholes and talk to those people about how great the road is now that we right. fixed your road. Right mm-hmm. in this case, the fix your road is getting you vaccinated and keeping your power on. You know, mm-hmm. these are items that are like concrete and easy for people to understand. And you know, fate have it as it is, you know, Abbott has two issues that it doesn't take 
too much to you know to relate to. You know, it's like you lost power. Uh, you have family members who have gotten this you know illness. These things can be used against you. You know, in a campaign, obviously, much easier yeah. than some existential debate over you know some philosophical policy position like Democrats have had to do in the past. This is something concrete that everybody can understand. You were freezing in the dark because of Governor Abbott. Vote for change. <laughs> right. Know? I mean, it's a, the, the campaign ads write themselves, don't they? Now, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick was on Fox News Channel as well, because of course he was. He was talking to Harris Faulkner on the Faulkner Focus, I think is the name of the show. Uh, and he had said that O'Rourke, he basically dismissed everything that O'Rourke said. He said, I don't pay too much attention to him. Um, what uh, Patrick said is that Biden, the president, is wrong to say that we're engaged in Neanderthal thinking down in Texas. He says that Texas is not discouraging the use of masks. It's just that we're dropping the government mandate for people to have to wear them. Texas did nothing new. Uh, we have 15 other states, Alaska, Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, uh, Iowa, Missouri, Mississippi, Montana, Nebraska, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Dakota, South Carolina, and Tennessee. Let Joe Biden try to remember that off the top of his head. He couldn't get by the second state. 15 other states don't have a mass mandate. We just join that group. And, and, and Harris, mm -hmm. look, we're looking at this very carefully. We're not telling people not to wear masks. We're just removing a mandate. I spoke to 150 seniors last night in Georgetown, Texas, north of Austin. Two people that I saw had masks on. When I travel around the state, there are people who just don't wear masks. So you heard him say that we're not discouraging people from wearing masks. And he went and spoke to 150 senior citizens in Georgetown, Texas. I was thinking that might be at the uh, Sirloin Stockade, but I think that's technically in, in Round Rock. That's usually where they do those Republican meetings, is the Sirloin Stockade. Um, he said that we're not discouraging people, but then he said that only two people were wearing masks. I think he was, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt there, Jeremy. I think he misspoke, and he meant to say that only two people were not wearing masks at a yeah, gathering of 150. Otherwise, that Otherwise, I'm not sure what his point is. Otherwise, it sounds like he's bragging that people weren't wearing their right. masks, you know? Yeah. And I'm, is that what he was going yeah, right. for? I, I, I'm just going to, I'm not going to give him a hard time about it. I'm just going to note the irony that he was saying that at the beginning of that, that uh, Joe Biden is not the sharpest tack and couldn't remember a list of states. And then Patrick himself, I think, misspoke when he meant to say that only two people were not wearing masks at a gathering of vulnerable people uh, in a state where, where Patrick's trying to make the point that we're still acting responsibly around here. And this is the argument. Um, the uh, Republicans like Patrick and Abbott are now saying, and this is why I was trying to make sure people made a mental note on this, they're saying that because people have learned the safe practices, that the government doesn't need to tell you to do it anymore. So Patrick kind of screws that up by saying that only two people were wearing masks at a gathering of 150 seniors. But is there anything to that, Jeremy? Is, could it be the case that over the last year, we have learned in Texas and elsewhere that you need to keep your distance from people, that you need to wear a mask in certain settings and all of that? Um, or is there more uh, credence to the argument that this is like putting up speed limit signs? So, so you don't have um, complete compliance with speed limits, of course. People get speeding tickets all the time. But... The government sets a standard for how you're supposed to drive the vehicle on a freeway. And and those limits have gone up over the years, right? It used to be, what, 55 everywhere? Yep. Uh, and now it's up to 75 because, as engineers would tell you, uh, you know, roads like uh, I-45 between Dallas and uh, Houston, 
that's like the Autobahn in Germany. I mean, even yeah. the, the exits for that are designed for you to be able to get off the freeway at a higher speed. You could maybe on certain sections of freeway around Texas, and there are some, by the way, that are at, that are at uh, what, at 85, um, out in West Texas and far South yeah. Texas, I think they have that. Um, so it, it's not that the, you can't change the speed limit or that you can't change the restrictions, but the government's still setting a standard for your safety when you're in the vehicle, and what's wrong with having a standard for safety when you're dealing with a disease uh, when you're going to be in public spaces? Yeah, and I get what, you know, Governor Abbott was trying to say, I think, you know, like, you know, certainly there's a point where, like, of course, you know, in Texas, we want less rules and regulation. The government shouldn't be telling you what to do. I get all that, and I understand, like, his point being that, uh, like, just because we say, you know, it's not the law, we can still say you think, we think you should wear you know, a mask. It's to me, it's kind of like the motorcycle helmet laws. You know, it says like, we're not going to make you wear a helmet, Mm -hmm. but we're going to tell you, you're going to probably die (laughs) if you don't, you know, it's like, and so you shouldn't do it. And even with smoking to a degree, Mm -hmm. we're just like, we're not banning the cigarettes. You know, we're just telling you, you're going to die if you keep doing this, you should Mm -hmm. stop doing it. So I see the, 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 the better Texan in you wants everybody to take that and go with it. Right. Yeah. But unfortunately, the way some people are taking this, and I think we all can probably look at our Facebook, you know, feeds and probably see somebody on there that said, mm-hmm. great, I'm never wearing a mask again. Of course. You know, it's like, and I'm going into this HEB and I'm going to breathe on anybody I want. You know, yeah. it's just like, and some people are going to take it that way, you know, with just the, it's a restriction of my freedom and I don't have to do it now. And you can't throw me out of this store and some store manager is going to be in some fight with some guy without yep. a mask. And that's like, it, and and that has happened. Yeah. Um, remember last summer uh, we had an example in San Antonio where when the governor was saying that the government should never be able to force you to wear a mask yep. because as as O'Rourke said, uh, the governor went back and forth on this. At first yeah. he said no mask mandate, the government should never be able to make you do that. Then he changed his mind on that. He made an announcement. Uh, there was no press conference or anything. He just put out a YouTube video that said that you could be fined for uh, not wearing a mask, which is also interesting. Um, Patrick and some others have said that there was no real enforcement of people uh, you know, having to wear the mask or not. But if I remember correctly, they had put it in place that a mask uh, requirement came with, what, a $250 fine. Right. Yeah. So, that, so I don't know how much that was actually being enforced, but it wasn't like there wasn't a mechanism that had been uh, proposed and put out there um, to your point about whether people are um, uh, are taking are taking the mass seriously now. You know, now that the governor has said what he said, uh, one person commented on Twitter earlier today that their Facebook feed is already filled with people posting about mask burning parties. No oh boy. After the governor's announcement. Right. So. What he says, uh, whether it's a distraction or not from this other issue, which we are going to talk about, the electric grid in Texas, whether it's a distraction, it does have real-world consequences for the leader of the state of Texas, a, the, you know, a state of almost 30 million people. And, and what do all those people hear when there's a mixed message? How much reporting have we done on this? I'm going to rant about it for a second. How much reporting have we done on this, Jeremy, that there have been mixed messages all throughout the COVID-19 crisis? We reported at quorumreport.com late last year that the commissioner of DSHS, John Hellerstedt, who we mentioned earlier, he was telling local officials that the best thing that they could do was have a unified message about people wearing masks, right? 
and Republican county judges were saying to the commissioner at DSHS that there has been nothing, nothing resembling a unified message from state government. When the governor says that they should never be able to force you to wear a mask, and then he puts a mask mandate in place, and then he comes out and says what he said this week, he's been all over the map. So there is a reason that people in Texas don't necessarily know what they're supposed to do about this. Yeah, and that's a great point, because I was thinking about that confusion that people are having. So even though he's saying, you know, there's going to be no mask mandate, your school district can still say, no, no, you have to have a mask to right. come on here. And private businesses, you can have a place like HEB that says, okay, mm -hmm. we're going to let you on without a mask. Mm -hmm. But then you can have others that say you're going to need a mask. And then so, so the, the guy who doesn't have a mask going to the airport to take off today, it's like, What's he supposed to do? Is he you know, like? I, I think he has to wear it on the plane. But if it's a government institution that's decided that you don't need a mask, I guess mm -hmm. you don't have to have it in the airport. But if you're going through a federal security check, I think you have to have the mask on. It's like this is going to be a very confusing mismatch of people doing all kinds of things. Again, to your point, there has been rarely a consistent message from the start of this. Where it's just like if you just heard every day you know, what you were supposed to do, you know, one way, we mm -hmm. haven't heard that. We heard the governor saying, you know, yeah, there should be no mask mandates whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And then when people wanted to have a mask mandate, he said, oh, you could always, you know, you know, find the, the, you know, the businesses for not instituting the mask mandate. You right. know, and you're just like, okay, what does that mean? So yeah. businesses have to require it then? Okay, but it's just so confusing, I think, uh, to think that the public would know exactly when and where to work wear a mask starting on Wednesday mm -hmm. seems very <laughs> doubtful to me. Well, Not today, guys. Wednesday. On Friday night, don't be hanging out at the bar you know, without a mask. Next Wednesday, go for it. Yeah, right. This week, did you realize, is the one-year anniversary of Austin and Travis County shutting down South by Southwest because of COVID-19. That was a tough decision made at the local level. That was the mayor and the county judge saying that we're not going to have this event, which was not insignificant. I remember when that first happened, it was sort of the wake-up call for a lot of people, myself included. I, I yeah. will say that, that when that happened, it was at that moment that that clicked with me how serious this is because you had the leadership of Central Texas saying no to an event that means about $300 million for the yeah. local economy. When exactly. they start turning that kind of commerce away... This is a real deal. So that was one year ago. And in the time since, when the big decisions like that were being made at the local level by the county judges and the mayors, and the same thing happened in Houston, canceling Rodeo Houston, huge deal. You know, that means a lot. Those kids getting their scholarships and everything like that, and they said, we're not going to do it this year. It's not safe. Those decisions were made by people who were not Governor Abbott. Then in April of last year, he asserted that only his office had most of the authority over the state's response to this, and the mayors and county judges didn't have any say in it, right? He said, this yep. is all up to me. That's what he said in one of his original executive orders about this. He was taking it off the table that they could do anything at the local level. And now what's he doing? I have talked to business owners in Texas here in Austin, Houston, Dallas-Fort Worth, San Antonio, Lubbock, all over the place. They have said, after taking the power from the local officials, like the mayors and the county judges, he's now offloading the responsibility for the COVID-19 response to business owners. So people like uh, the folks who run HEB, who you mentioned, they uh, are making one decision. 
at a different store, they may, you know, they may make another decision. Um, I talked with one small business owner in Austin just the other day who just looked kind of distraught about it because um, right after the decision, on the same day, on Texas Independence Day, this business owner said, I've had to argue with people all day about whether they can have a mask in here. Yeah. I, this business owner has decided that in their business, they are going to continue to require masks and social distancing. You know, they, they are still uh, not operating at 100% capacity, and a lot of businesses are going to do that. I could imagine that restaurants are going to up their capacity because with restaurants, and this is not a knock on restaurants, it's just in restaurants, all the money that you make in the restaurants in the last dollar and not the first dollar, the, the point is their margins are very thin in, re- yes. in the restaurant business. So they need any day that you don't have a, rest- a restaurant that's full of people, you may not be making any money. You're lucky to be clearing payroll at that point. And there's a lot of restaurateurs who will tell you they're lucky to even be open. There's a lot of restaurants that have gone under during this. Just this week, we saw um, Alamo Draft House filing for bankruptcy protection, right? Now, that doesn't mean people see that and they don't really understand what that means from a business standpoint. It means they need to restructure debt. It doesn't mean that Alamo Draft House is going away completely, but it, it's um, something where there's a lot of folks who are distraught because they love going to Alamo Draft House. But how do you keep a movie theater open during a pandemic when people can't come in. You know, you can't do it. They've tried to do some creative things as far as trying to keep those places open. So they're going to try to keep as many locations open as they possibly can. But to offload all the responsibility for it to the business owner, this is the argument I heard from them all this week, Jeremy, is that it's not fair because they used to be able to just say, well, that's a government mandate. I can't do anything about it. It's, It's not on me. Right. Yeah. Now and, 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 and now it's on them and they are the face of it and they are having to argue with people and turn some business away, yeah. which is which makes it even worse for business, not better. Yeah, because that person's never coming back. You know, right, they're once done. You, yeah, and I think about it, it's like, and you get it even to a more granular level. You know, a lot of the you know the bigger businesses for sure. It's like this is not it's not just a business owner. Now it's going down to the to, to the little manager, the store mm-hmm. manager at you know, name your you know franchise that you can think of mm-hmm. you know, having to stand up to somebody who's angry or like. Or one way or the other, you know, mm-hmm. why aren't there more masks here? Or, you know, you know, why are you making me wear a mask? You know, it's like yeah. that it's all coming back to the local business owners and the manager on the ground level having to argue with somebody and which business wants to do that. Right. You know, all money but, is good here is typically right. how they you know, want to it operate. All, it all spins the same. Um, exactly. I mean, w- one way to think about it is when you hear these arguments that people have the right, and they do, they have the right to make um, personal decisions about how they want to respond to COVID-19. The, the virus is not any different in a Walmart from what it is in an HEB, <laughs> right? It, does, it doesn't matter. It, it, that that's not how a virus works, right? So, so the fact that we're finding some sort of consistency with the uh, distribution of vaccines, that's positive. What a lot of the health experts who Abbott did not consult with before he did this, he admitted, and his his own administration admits, I should say that, um, what they have said, and the, and the CDC said this this week, that this is the wrong time to back off when you've made so much progress. Uh, toward containing the virus. And we do have positive things that are going on. The Johnson and Johnson vaccine is getting out there now. We're going to be getting shipments of that in Texas next week, right? Um, and that's the one shot uh, vaccine. So 100, think of that one this way, 
100 million vaccines is 100 million vaccin- vaccinated people. Yep. You know, you don't have to go for the two shots like with Moderna and Pfizer. Um, so there are good things and, and good things that are happening and different um, uh, developments that are happening. But to back off the gas pedal now and say we're not going to be all in on these restrictions anymore, that is going to be something that, Jeremy, they're going to be talking about that for a long time as, as, whether that was, as to whether that was a good decision or not. Well, and we have recent history to kind of, you know, speak to that, right? You know, you know, let's go back to last May when we started to ease up restrictions and we opened up bars and then all heck broke loose, right? That, our hospitalizations, you know, went right back up the, the mountain, you know, and then they all came down and we started easing restrictions again. And guess what? Everything went back up and, like, mm-hmm. you, things went crazy when, you know— all all of a sudden, you know, most businesses were up at 75%, and so we saw the spike again. Well, right. now here we go. We're coming back down the mountain again. It's like, mm-hmm. are, are we doing things now that open up the possibility of us going up a third time on this hump? It's yeah. starting to become more of like a wave thing. Remember in the early days, Fauci started, you know, Dr. Fauci up in D.C. was talking about how you know, this is going to go up and then it's going to come down, you know. But what we've done instead is we've made these mountain peaks <laughs> out of – our compliance to, yeah. you know, contain this virus. Well, and that decision to open bars, that was the only thing that I remember Abbott saying was a mistake. Yeah. That he had, of, of his actions in regard to COVID-19, opening the bars, he said that was a mistake, and then he clamped back down on that. Um, we will continue to cover this and the, you know, the way that this unfolds. I think it has all sorts of ripple effects through what will happen at the legislative session, what will happen in Texas and the nation, Going forward, the other big issue, of course, is what's the state response after what was just a complete disaster a couple of weeks ago? Uh, and it it honestly feels like a month ago yeah. with everything that has happened. And we've just talked about all this stuff with the COVID-19 response. Uh, but the ice storm in Texas, I think the number that I saw for uh, homeowners claims or mostly homeowners claims uh, for insurance, about 150,000 claims that were made immediately after during or after the storm um that probably puts it on par with hurricane ike in 2008 not quite to hurricane harvey levels although there are other um uh you know pieces of information to come out about what kind of damage was done during the storm so they're not done tallying the uh the damage they uh, are talking about this at the texas capitol your representatives uh at the capitol have been holding marathon hearings last week and if I sounded a little punchy during the show last week, it's because I stayed up for 15 hours during that deal. And if I ever give the lieutenant governor problems, you know, for misspeaking, I misspeak sometimes too. It's usually when I'm uh, just completely burnt out, like I was last Friday. Or I've noticed this, Jeremy. A lot of times if I misspeak, it's because I'm trying to explain a crazy conspiracy theory and I can't keep it all straight in my head. So forgive me on that. Um, they've had these hearings at the Capitol. The Speaker of the House, Dade Phelan, was on WFAA in Dallas, and he said the work on this may not be done during the regular session of the legislature, that they may need more time, some special sessions. Uh, and not, and I'm, I'm using sessions plural because that's what he said, because we're going to have special session anyway over redistricting. We're at least one special session's coming maybe later this year. And Phelan said the fact they're going to get extra time to work on this calamity, he said that's a good thing. I don't think we'll get census data in time to draw congressional, uh, House, Senate, and State Board of Education political boundaries by May 31st. So 
we are all expecting a special session uh, or two or three uh, at some point, maybe the summer, the fall. So if we don't get it done, we'll have another opportunity to get it done. And the, the willingness of this body and the, and the Senate, as was evidenced yesterday, we're going to we're going to get something done on this. We have we have to. It, it is a it's a priority. Uh, people died. This is a, a serious issue as it gets in the legislature. Now, you heard a lot of questions from lawmakers for those who run the Electric Reliability Council of Texas and the Public Utility Commission of Texas. Yep. We've seen some resignations this week and and one high-profile firing. Um, the head of the PUC, appointed by Governor Abbott, uh, the chair, Deanne Walker, resigned after she said that she got some well, just bad treatment from lawmakers during those hearings last week. That's yep. the way she put it. You know, I, I found it interesting, Jeremy. She wrote a long letter. Chair Walker wrote a long letter in in resigning. And a lot of times those resignations are just one sentence. Yep. That that letter could have just said, I, Deanne Walker, hereby resign effective on this date. And that'll legally that will do it. And that's, that's good enough. No, she went out of her way to say that lawmakers had treated her unfairly <laughs> yep. and that they had ignored the problem for 10 years. I don't, yep. I don't remember if she said 10 years specifically, but she said they've ignored these problems for a long time. Yeah, she at threw the it Texas back at their feet. Absolutely. Um, as you listen to leadership, whether it's Speaker Phelan, Governor Abbott, Lieutenant Governor Patrick, while those questions are being asked in the hearings, you don't hear a lot of answers even from the people who are testifying, and you certainly don't hear answers yet from the leadership. Phelan is saying that's why it's a good thing that they'll have more time to work on this. The last thing we want to do is make things worse. The last thing we want to do is change something, and it has an adverse uh, effect and impact on Texans. So we have to be very judicious about this. We can't rush into a solution. And so, you know, as we go into the summer months, because this this system is built for heat. It's built for the summer. We don't want to do anything that negatively impacts June, July, August, September. Chairman of the Texas Senate Business and Commerce Committee, uh, Kelly Hancock, was on NBC5 in Dallas-Fort Worth, and he says they're trying to approach this uh, without pointing fingers, even though there was plenty of that in those hearings, uh, but he's saying that they want to approach this in bipartisan fashion and come up with real solutions because this was a real human issue. This impacted people's everyday lives. They were without, as you said, Jeremy, they were without power and water for days. Really the most important things are the, the lives that were lost. Uh, there's no greater value than that. Uh, the homes and the devastation that occurred all across the state. And I think the, the thing that touches me the most is, you know, this is an effort that uh, is not partisan. It is the Senate working as a whole to address these issues and make sure this never happens again. In 2011, when there was a big storm that caused rolling blackouts, there were problems exposed that um, that should have been worked on in the meantime. I've heard that argument over and over again, as we covered very well on the last show, Jeremy. That doesn't mean that you can compare the storm that happened a decade ago to this one. But there are certainly things that could have been done to make sure that this storm didn't have the impact that it did two weeks ago. Um, I think the fact that they want to take their time is good. The fact that they want to talk in bipartisan fashion is good. But as you covered last week, there are already signs that there are certain things that Republican leadership is not going to take seriously, including any discussion of climate change, building that into the state's plans going forward, when we know 
that insurance firms, big companies like energy companies are already building it into their business plans that climate change is something that is real, that is happening, um, and that certain policies have to be changed going forward in how we deal with certain things. And look at the history of it. You have Hurricane, uh, I'll, go, I'll go 15 years ago or more, uh, Hurricanes Katrina and Rita reshaping the Gulf Coast population. Uh, Hurricane Ike, which we mentioned, Harvey, this polar vo vortex. There are diminishing returns when you talk about changing certain policies. I get that. But they are going to have to take a broader look at this if they don't ever want anything to happen like it did a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it, it, well, it's good that they're taking their time because, you know, the knee-jerk from some of these hearings, you know, at least what I'm getting is that, you know, for some, you know, Republican leaders particularly, the moral of the story is that we have too much wind power and we should get rid of wind power or the subsidies that allow us wind power to compete. And I'm not sure if that's really quite the way to go. Uh, you, know, you know, wind power... You know, when this state is, you know, particularly in the summer months, it produces a lot of electricity on the grid. Uh, on windy days, it can power the entire state of Texas without any other, you know, fuel sources needed. So it has a value in that it's and it's super cheap for Texans to kind of have wind power hop happening. And so they, I, I kind of wonder how they're going to, like, work on the mix of power mm -hmm. in uh, the state. And they're going to have to figure yeah. out... What, you know, how much wind and solar can we have in this, you know, you know, pot of electrical, you know, you know, that, that we offer the state yeah. and still keep, you know, our, you know, fossil fuel industries happy. You know, we want to make sure that, you know, we still have jobs for oil mm -hmm. and gas people. But how do you do all that, make it reliable and make sure that in, in both winter and summer, we're getting our electricity, but not having to pay through the roof? You know, so that it's a very complicated, you know, question, right. obviously, and like it's probably better they take their time rather than just rush out and say, okay, we're tearing all the windmills down. Yeah, right. And <laughs> that's I'll, not I'll, what I'll, I want to hear. Yeah, I will say if they're going to have a special session on redistricting, which they're pretty much sure to have that, uh, and a special session that includes discussion of the electric grid, it is really on the governor. And let me explain why. It's on the governor to have a solution in mind before he calls them into a special session focused on the electricity grid. And the reason for that is that by law, under the Texas Constitution, only one person can declare that we're having a special session. And that's Greg Abbott, right? That's whoever the governor is. Yep. Um, and if a governor doesn't have a specific solution in mind that he wants to try to, or he or she wants to try to rally lawmakers around and get majority votes for those things then it becomes more and more the fact that that governor is on the hot seat for not having a solution, right? It just becomes a debating society. You remember the special se uh, session in 2017 yep. when he put 20 items on the list? In some ways, politically, he was rescued by the fact that there was a hurricane about a month later. Yeah. So people would not remember the storm of the special session, which was just ridiculous, when only about half of the things that he asked the lawmakers to pass actually became the law. That was when the governor uh, had asked them to, among other things, address who can use which public restroom, yep. the bathroom bill, which was just politically a disaster. We will see where this goes. As I said, they don't have any answers on this just yet. Uncovering those answers, coming up with policy solutions, it's going to take some time. 
and hopefully uh, we don't have any kind of a storm again like that for 10 more years. So they do have time, Jeremy, to, <laughs> to come up with something that, that is workable, and it'll be on them. And here's the other thing. When, when they come up with a solution, by the time another one of these things happens, let's say it is 10 years from now, it'll be a whole other set of leaders in Austin yeah. who will have to deal with the consequences of what is done now in 2021. People right now are answering for the fact that in 2011, nothing was done about this, but they can't get away with just saying that those, those were other people because, you know, Abbott came into office in 15, so did Patrick, you know, in the current jobs that they're in. The speaker who was just elected by the House of Representatives, he's brand new on the job of the big three. He's the one who uh, learned where the light switches are in the office last. So they're figuring all this out, and, but these are decisions that are going to stick with us for a long time and we will continue to cover all of it for you that feels like enough show to me for this week and the weekend listen however you like to listen we don't judge you you should be a subscriber on whichever platform you use though whether that's apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, however you listen give us the best rating you can how many stars can they give us sarah five five give us a five star rating we would appreciate it if they if it's, is it is it like the um, customer service surveys where if they give us a four then they call the manager anyway that we weren't good enough. Jeremy, you think it's like that? Yeah, sure. I'm is sure it like it that, is. Sarah? Yeah. You're the podcast expert, Sarah. Um, I don't think that's that's how. It, how it All goes. right, <laughs> they do they do need to give us the five star rating. Uh, Jeremy's work appears at HoustonChronicle.com every single day, and for up to the minute intelligence on what's happening at your state government and your state capital. Go to quorumreport.com. It is more important than ever now during a legislative session. We'll see you back here on the Texas Take next week. Mm-hmm.